Hello everyone and welcome back to The Growth Medium. I'm Mim. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to the first episode of season two. So this season's all about just combining science and culture and basically everything in between. So we want to kind of explore the relationship between the two, I guess, um, in certain fields, um, while debunking our popular myth along the way as well. We can't, we can't forget that. And what better way to start the season by talking about the biological clock? It's one of the, it's a topic that's talked about a lot, but no actual new information is there. We just want to bring a little truth and nuance to the subject. So we're joined today by a special guest, Fridos Rahman, to get her opinions on the societal pressures that we find are prevalent around the biological clock. I think uh, particularly from a British Bangladeshi perspective. Um, so Fridos, welcome to The Growth Media. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, please? Hi guys, nice to be on this. Um, so I'm Fredos and I'm in my final year studying chemistry and hopefully I should be graduating within this pandemic um, and then I hope to start my career. But within this, I've always had subconsciously within my mind whether how to sacrifice, why I might have to sacrifice my career in order because of this idea of the biological clock that has been rooted into our minds that women do have to get married and have children at a younger age so they can avoid the complications of childbirth um, when they're older. So I just wanted to come and speak about my uh, my thoughts on how my community perceive it and just give them, shed more light on this topic. Yeah, me and Fredus, we've had a lot of conversations about this, about, um, you know, how the kind of view of women in our culture really shapes the way that we want to lead our lives I guess how we want to go in our career and how we want to kind of it sets a timeline I feel like the societal pressures that we do face it's like putting us in a little box I guess isn't it yeah for you it must be similar as well yeah I've had I have a few stories that I'd like to share this um in this okay we're excited to hear (laughs) <laughs> I think it creates more of like a domino effect. So so it's mentally instilled within us as young women that when you're older, that you do need to make such decisions or you do need to make such sacrifices. Whereas it's always spoken about the women's sacrifices, where it's not really spoken about the men's side of it. Well, because they don't. They don't have to sacrifice. I don't think anyway. Well, okay. That's an interesting point that I'm going to touch on later. So um, the episode style is going to be a, diff- a little bit different. So um, Ferdos is not an expert in the subject and neither are me and Sarah. So like disclaimer, but we are going to go into a little bit of the science behind why infertility is more of an issue as you get older but mainly we're gonna just you know freestyle it a little bit as you guys know from season one this is my favorite type of episode just kind of sitting down and conversing and like as Sarah said it's just gonna be merging the science with the society view so I think the first place to get started is is the biological clock a real thing and I have very very strong opinions about this so um it's quite interesting actually because as a society what we perceive as the biological clock is you know oh yeah a woman's biological clock is ticking she needs to have kids when she's 25 and then la 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 but it's in science like in biological terms it's not that at all in science the biological clock is actually something we call the circadian rhythm and that's supposed to uh that's 
like a system that deals with like sleep cycles and all that. So they're very, very two different things, but we are gonna focus on obviously the fertility thing for this episode. And I think we're actually gonna do an episode later about the circadian rhythm, right, Sarah? So we're gonna go into that later in the season. Yes, our final yeah. episode, hopefully, I think yeah so we'll see where that takes us okay so in terms of the biological basis of course it's true that as you get older your fertility does go down but it's important to note that there's a difference between being infertile and then being sterile so we talk a lot about infertility and the issues that can come around when you have a child when you're older particularly as a woman and it's a bit of a strange thing because a lot of it is very um based on probabilities a lot of it's based on not so great studies and in terms of the difference between infertility and uh, I guess being sterile infertility is actually the inability to conceive within a year and then this kind of drops down to six months after the age of 35 and then being sterile is you're not able to have a child at all so you cannot conceive no matter what you try and we're going to focus I guess on the first aspect a little bit more because I think that's something that we is more important in this in this regard and yeah so that's I guess the female side of it but the male side of it I don't know about you guys but um you know when I'm talking to my mom about this when I'm talking to my family about this there's never a concern there about them being in more infertile when they're older but it actually happens like it's actually a case where as men get older too their fertility lowers and um it kind of lowers for a different reason than women but I don't know. Give me your thoughts. Do you guys like ever hear about men's fertility? Never in my life have I ever heard about a men's uh, fertility. It's always, oh, a woman has to um, conceive or ch- bear a child at a younger age. Otherwise, this will then lead to complications further on down the line. Whereas people don't think about that as men um, age, they their sperm count decreases with time as well, but that's never spoken about. I feel like it's more of a taboo to talk about within our community. So it's more that the blame has always been shifted onto women or technological fixes have been um, pushed onto women to how they can fix their infertility rather than kind of the research being more balanced between men and women. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's actually a good point. Um, the fertility in terms of men the reason it lowers is because their sperm count lowers and also the sperm quality lowers so uh, motility how fast the sperm moves it's significantly lowered after the age of about 40 and for women it's a little bit of a different thing with women it's more that the quality of the oocyte which is the cell that will eventually become an egg that lowers and those numbers also lower so similar similar but kind of different and that usually happens around 35 but it's important to note that this is like a continuum so it's not a strict age where it's like oh my god I have to go get pregnant now you know and I think yeah I think it also varies from person to person in the lifestyle that you're leading but in terms of I think I just wanted to mention one more thing like in scientifically I think it's women have a set number of oocytes from birth and they don't make any more throughout their life and then as obviously as you have your periods um the number that decreases um but then men continuously producing spermatocytes throughout their lifetime so i think yeah it's just a good point to put out there yeah and that's not to say that um it's not to be like fearful like oh my god 
I'm gonna run out of eggs like don't I, I think there's a lot of um, sensationalized um, media headlines, particularly by Daily Mail. Actually, no, there's been one um, article written by Daily Mail that was, it, it was scary. It was like, oh, if you're, I think, 30 to 35, then you have, you're six times more likely to have pregnancy complications than someone who gets pregnant at 25. And they used a... It wasn't a study, it was more of an opinion piece written by two, I think they were doctors, two physicians in this area. And <laughs> I'm laughing because of how misconstrued the information was. It's, I wonder where they got their research so the from. Doctors, the actual opinion piece, it, it's a fairly good opinion piece, right? But it's just that. It's their opinion based on um you know patients that they've seen rather than actually going ahead and evaluating all the literature and if you guys remember from my keto episode last season i went on a whole run about evaluating literature (laughs) so um we know that like the most uh kind of reliable method is you know sitting down and sifting through these databases and then um looking at all the data that's available to us and making a conclusion looking at different researches and just compiling them all together and good papers as well not just any old research um but the physicians didn't do that and the daily mail kind of construed it as oh my god there was this large study that these physicians did and this 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 and this and in reality it wasn't a study at all it was just hey this is what i think and then the nhs actually came in and wrote a little article on their website that just um completely obliterated the daily mail article so that was chef's kiss great (laughs) now also the the research um done at the start of the century so there was a research done in 2004 where they said that a third of the women are aged between 35 to 39 they can't get pregnant after they try for a year so but then this is completely outdated and i feel like they caused a scare because this study was done between 1670 to 1830. And you can imagine how different life was back then, yet they were trying to scare women of the modern age to have children because of this. Yeah, that I know what study you're talking about. It's not, it wasn't more of a study. It was more of like they saw the birth records from this period and then they decided, they just evaluated it and saw that, oh yeah, they had struggles after one year. But then I'm thinking like back in the 1600s, did people not die at 40? So... <laughs> I think they died before they they had that threshold in the first place so it didn't yeah something to take into consideration especially with all these studies out there but like in terms of like we're saying oh don't worry you'll run out of eggs like as a I think as a there's um a website um the health line says um at at a fetus stage um the female has around six million eggs and then this drops to about 1 million to 2 million when she's born. Um, and then obviously it varies from different, from person to person, from, you know, and everything. But it, that, I guess, puts it into perspective how many you actually do have. So, yeah, yeah it's not yeah, something yeah. to worry. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, no, it's definitely something where it's not something you want to leave too late, if you get what I mean. Like, I mean... From my like my own personal opinion, I wouldn't want to try after a certain age because I know it's there are health complications and that's true. There are different health complications and implications that can happen after particularly around the 35 year old age for women. So um, 
at that age a child is more likely to be autistic there's more um there's a higher chance of um miscarriages and uh complicated pregnancies etc um so it is something that obviously we need to consider if you do want to have kids but i think the way that it's very much talked about in the media and in society is very much focused on the women um and we haven't focused much on men and as uh further said in the beginning of this episode a lot of the research has then and the assisted reproductive technology has been for women there hasn't been much for men and it's quite interesting actually because even though men keep producing sperm throughout their lives if they have um children after the age of 40 i believe they're also at a higher risk of um, the child is at a higher risk of having certain um, conditions so there's a higher risk of miscarriage and autism as well but there's also a higher risk of other psychiatric morbidities like schizophrenia but have we I don't know I, I haven't I didn't hear about that until I started researching so and in turn there's a lower success of IVF as well so the women's out there getting IVF done but then at the same time the men's sperm isn't taken into account because it's the women's fertility that's always always notioned in in society yeah and I think I don't know like it really really does um impact the way that you perceive your um future career like for this I'm sure that you agree um obviously we're British Bangladeshi so I feel like the age deadline for kids is much lower than like um what would you say is the general age like cap for this for 25 26 so they expect you to so culturally it's more expected that you get married as soon as you leave education so you've done education for however long no don't even bother starting a career but just go have get, get married and bear a child as soon as you can so they can become grandparents so then they can live out their dream of being grandparents so that's how it's kind of perceived as so I feel like they're pushing onto their they're pushing onto us the restrictions that they had so they had very outdated um, perceptions of society back then so this was when women were perceived as the more motherhood, um, that's what their primary identity was. Whereas for men, they were seen as the breadwinner. So when this took a turn in the 1970s, where, where women were coming into the corporate world, when they were pursuing education, this just kind of took a turn on the whole biological clock. And this is when the biological clock came about. So I believe that Richard Cohen wrote an article about the this ticking clock so it was more of an idea to push to push women that they should stick to the traditional values of becoming a woman, bearing a child. When the woman, the man is meant to be the protector, protector and bring in all the money. Whereas now it's not perceived like gender has gender equality has changed so much within the past couple of decades. But we still have the same idea that we had back in the 1970s that of this biological clock. So it's very important to talk about the the differences that have occurred between then and now yeah it's one of those things where it really um I think it impacts the way that you want to you know lead your career in the beginning when you have finished university particularly for people like for like we can speak from our experience as um Bengalis but it also impacts the way that you're perceived within a profession I think um I mean I haven't heard of this much in my own like personal network but what I have heard 
um, a lot <laughs> is that for women, um, when they enter the workforce, um, it's seen that pregnancy is like an it's inevitable that they're going to become a mother they're going to become pregnant and that will inevitably quotes inevitably lead to a strain in the company and because there's a strain in the company they don't want to hire uh women who just recently got married or who just um who are kind of in that young childbearing age um because they think that it's going to be bad for the company they're going to spend a year out in maternity leave or whatever it is and this is particularly bad in India apparently um I don't have the stats for this but this is something that I've kind of just picked up over the years and then for men though it's seen a little bit differently for men it's seen that he's the provider of the house therefore if he's got a family he's seen as more reputable in a company and it's like oh my god look at him he's working so hard to provide for his family and yeah it's just that dichotomy that exists between the kind of uh fertility debate between the two genders it exists on different levels not just on the start of at the start of a career which i thought was quite interesting yeah it's it's a it's a lot i mean i don't think there's any scientific basis for these cultural views i like when you look at the science it's not as bad as it as it as they make it seem if you get where I'm trying to go (laughs) with this Mm -hmm. but yeah so I don't know I think it's taken down in generations so one mom told another mom so it's the same outdated idea just being passed on passed on passed on so yeah but then it's interesting you know when you said of because they want to be grandparents become grandparents very quickly and etc um like do you think that perspective is also coming from the point where they want to be younger and able to engage in their grandchildren's lives or is and like because obviously the older they get the less uh, able um grandparents are uh, uh to engage and be part of their grandkids lives like go and do activities with them etc do you think that's like something they're thinking about or I think there's two ends of the spectrum there. So one end of the spectrum, I believe, is what you just mentioned, that they do want to be included in their grandchildren's life. They want to see them them grow up. But I think the other more dark side of the spectrum is that they want to raise that grandchild with the, the ideas that they have. And I believe that's very important to talk about because... Uh, because they want to carry on their traditions and culture whereas it's becoming more and more outdated as the generations go on there's been so many technological advances within the past decade yet they can't keep up with it but younger children can so definitely i feel like that's the more dark side to it that they want to raise their children their their children and their children's children in the same way yeah I mean, isn't the beauty of being a grandparent is that you can enjoy your grandchildren for a little bit and then give it back to the parents? <laughs> give it, give it back to the parents. <laughs> and give the child back to the parents. Sorry. No, but I have seen in communities where the grandparents are basically raising the children, the grandchildren. So, yeah, and they kind of always um, tell the parents to do this or that. But the parents have 
been more included within the modern age than the grandparents have. So it's more of like this clash between them on how to raise this child, even though the child is the parent's child. <laughs> yeah, that that's, I think that's only something that's like, it's slowly starting to go away because even my mum would say that, you know, uh, when I was born, she we were still living with uh, my grandparents because in our culture, we have this whole thing that the um, daughter-in-law goes and lives with her in-laws and then they're supposed to be a multi-generational family. I can see Sarah shaking her head, but they're supposed to be a... Yeah, I don't... It's not really a thing in, in our culture. Yeah. So. Um, but for us, it's a thing. And there's like this multi-generational home. And the idea is that, you know, you have kids. And then if you have a son, then good for you. Well done. They go and have kids. And they also live in that same household, etc., etc. So one big family. So one, one big, big family. extended happy family that apparently <laughs> works, right? Um, just- <laughs> wait, where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so okay the thing that i think the problem with uh with this thing is that obviously this extended family as we're going into more modern times it's broken down a little bit more and what that means is that grandparents they don't have the space to be you know in their grandchildren's lives as a as a role of a parent if you get what I mean so they're more like grandparents as they should be rather than you know instilling their traditional uh, traditions and values in yeah, I get where you're child. going at this point so basically if we don't have these basically multi-generational families in one home and it's slowly being broken down and the younger generations are finding their own place to live and uh, it means that the grandparents are less able to to step in as a parental role and rather just come and visit and then go back home. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's too. been quite I mean, surely it's it's stressful for the grandparents. You're raising kids all over again at just an older age. It must be tiring. Like you've done your parenting, done and dusted. But the thing is, like, have they? Because I mean I, again I'm speaking from experience right a lot of um families like kind of my parents and older their parents weren't really um like their fathers for example weren't really active in the household again it was a whole traditional thing of they go out and work whereas when it came to the mothers the mothers were more focused on you know serving their in-laws because we had that multi-generational home right so it's kind of like were they really raising their kids or just was it kind of like I'm giving my kids the bare minimum and then they also want to do that they don't also want to do that to their grandkids but I think they want to kind of I guess make make up up for it it. yeah for their grandkids what do you think for those I think yes to an extent where they don't want to hand down everything to their child they want them to work for it but at the same time, I feel like they can only give as much mm-hmm. as they know. So there's only an extent that they've experienced and ha- what they've experienced, especially now with everything new coming in every single day. So a child could be, I, they, they need to keep up with these advances as well. But essentially, I feel like, wait, I forgot the question. I'm just asking, what do you think about the whole like, grandparents wanting to make up for their lack of parenting to the grandkids yes I definitely think that's it's more of them it's more of them starting over Mm. but at the same time with grandparents it could be just 
a sign of showing love and yeah, just yeah. showering showering the children but yeah yeah and I guess okay let's link it back to the science because we've talked a lot about yeah. the culture <laughs> because. so um there was a study that was done um I think in 2011 they collated all this data from a few different surveys across the period of 2006 to 2007 and they accumulated this data from about 25 European countries and basically they asked about 40,000 people even split men and women and the age was about from age 15 I think um and they just asked them is there any is there an age where people should stop having kids and what they found was that the social deadlines the social age deadlines for having kids was actually much much lower than the biological deadlines so um I believe 96% of respondents said that there is a deadline for women and the deadline typically is about age 40 and then for men um, I think about 90.2% yeah 90.2% said there's a deadline and the deadline's about 45 which is quite interesting actually because um, the reason they say it's much lower than biological deadlines is because we know that at the age of 40 you're still able to have children but um, there are more kind of risks associated. Whereas um, I guess it's by the age of 54 women that you like 90.1% of people will not be able to have kids. So yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, you know, when you say a deadline, um, I guess it could be understood in two different ways. Well, well, not just two, but multiple ways. And well deadline meaning as in they shouldn't have like this stop trying to have children or that they can't have children obviously once you hit menopause it's a different story um but yeah I just it's interesting again there's another social age deadline for older mothers but it's perceived in a more positive way that if they are older then they can have more stable relationships with their children because they can provide that financial stability they can have more leniency with their with their career because they're more established within their role so um i think some research says that has a positive effect on the child's cognitive and development outcomes so again with that's another social age deadline for women as well but in, in a more positive manner yeah that that's a good point actually because we always talk about the biological implications of having kids when you're older and I mean I'm not going to insult the research of course there are biological implications but a flip side to that is that like you said women are more established in their careers in their finances in their relationships and that will um, impact well according to the research that should be positive for the child if they have a child at that age but then in the same research they talked about um men who were older when um they had children so i think there was research uh for people for teenagers they were all about 15 years old i think and they compared their answers to um a question about their father's kind of i guess how good of a father they were And they notice that people, that fathers who were 30 
at the time that the child was born were actually better fathers according to the teenagers than fathers who were 40 at the time that the uh, that the teenager was born so that's quite an interesting thing as well because again there's that kind of gender dichotomy that difference where for older women it tends to be more beneficial for the children but for older men it seems like it's not so i i don't know that's another interesting point that i've uh, that i found that's quite a difference that you see in culture where um, the men is encouraged to have children at a later age because they can, because they are the breadwinner, they can have a more financially stable relationship with their child. So the fact that research says that and the older you get, the less, the be- the less of a better father you are, it's very, very different to what culture teaches you when they say that women should get should uh, bear a child as early as possible is there a theory behind this like why they're parenting the parent well supposedly that the younger dads were better at parenting than the older dads they didn't mention a theory but um i'm just kind of thinking on the top of my head i wonder if it's to do with changing attitudes to parenthood um because there would be like a 10 year gap between a 30 year old and a 40 year old right so the 40 year old would be born earlier and I can imagine that the notions um I mean I like we know that in the 50s and 60s uh, fathers used to be quite absent from their child's life again like the whole working in um working to provide for the family thing but I think as time has gone on there's more of a focus on fathers being involved in the children's life right and being more um taking time off work to see their kids take dropping the kids off to school etc etc so I wonder if that's perhaps the reason why that perception is there but well, you think I don't know um a person grows older they, they gain more wisdom and they understand a bit more about parenting they've had time to reflect on their childhood um I, I, or is it because they are further from their childhood they've forgotten i i i don't know you, i don't know you, you understand you think that as you got older you gain more wisdom you learn more things um so perhaps your parenting would be better um that's very interesting that theory that um the stats yeah but also kind of remember that again i don't want to insult any oh, millennials no, this here is not i'm sorry okay, but... podcast. this is just us airing no no wait for it wait for what i'm about to say <laughs> yeah but um think of it like this right I feel like as a generation for our age about gen z kind of age early millennial we're much more reflective as a generation this is from again my experience but we tend to we've seen kind of the cycle of I guess abuse or um trauma in our older in the old generations in our parents and our grandparents we've seen that and as opposed to wanting to carry that on we wanted to break the cycles right that's generally what our generation is quite like i can imagine that older generations aren't as reflective as that or they are reflective but they've seen more like trauma and abuse than we have so in comparison to us it doesn't look like they were reflective or they weren't good parents or whatever but for them it was a huge step yeah. forward that's just, not to just say we're not generalizing this research and everyone that's not to say everyone over the, the age of what 40 plus are terrible dads no no that's all 
in case we're giving off that message absolutely not not. it's a very this is just like from a society i guess like a cultural perspective and we're just um theorizing and and discussing ideas Mm -hmm. um we're definitely um attacking all the parents out there so yeah i wanted to bring up another point so there was a research carried out in 2003 by dr hakim so it was called the preference theory so she argued that this level of childlessness was of women not having a child is heterogeneous in regards to childbearing and lifestyle so um essentially women don't prioritize their work or their family but they rather they adapt their preferences to the societal um, community and pressures at that point. So essentially, this childlessness is seen as an individual preference rather than to their responses to the social and economic. So what's your kind of thought that women are heterogeneous to this? This kind of adapting? I mean, so the research is saying that childlessness, like a woman not having a child, is more of an individual choice as opposed to something um, influenced by culture. They're saying that they don't choose their, they don't choose which one, while they they adapt to which one they choose. So they don't have a set one at the, mm. all the time. That's interesting. That's that. That would make a lot of sense in terms of the whole applying it to the social age deadline thing, because um, with, with the research that we were talking about earlier, they were saying that in countries where the social age deadline is lower, it kind of persuades women to have kids earlier. Because, again, there's the whole thing that people will kind of listen to their culture a little bit more or their society a little bit more than the actual biology, which is, I guess, that's kind of natural to do. But... The whole like adapting to the society, like it's not something that I thought about actually, because I guess, I guess when you look at it from like a higher up level, the fact that, you know, I'm a British Bangladeshi and I don't want to have a child at like 23, for example, which is, I guess, a general age where it's kind of expected or 23 to 25. um, But instead, I'd rather have a career and then have a child after that. That's an example of adapting to the situation, isn't it? Because I'm in Britain where the pressures are a little bit different and we're in a different time so again the pressures are different the pressure is more make some money first and then have a child later or whatever it may be so I don't know it's 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 an interesting way to look about to think about it well what do you think Sarah yeah uh isn't adapting what yeah I think it does ring like I don't know how to phrase this it does like make sense like it would make sense for a person to adapt to the society that they're living in I mean isn't that what people do when you you're in you enter a community in a society and depending on the norms of that society you kind of adapt to it to fit in um but yeah I think it's a human nature to want to to fit in and by and through that that's why you have that adapting to the cultural norms and and the the environment and society. Mm-hmm. 
yeah that makes complete sense i guess i mean in terms of research that's all i have pretty much so um i guess the conclusion for me is that there are different kind of social deadlines versus biological deadlines and whilst there are implications for having kids later on in terms of biology those implications kind of exist both for men and women and i guess more focused on the male infertility part of it i you know what it would be better for healthcare outcomes like um like further you were saying that um you know there's more um kind of technological advancements like ivf and other um yeah Such like that yeah. and egg freezing etc it if there's more research in the male infertility side of it it would improve outcomes i feel like for people who are looking to do Again, assistive reproductive uh, technologies or ART. Are there no um, studies being conducted at the moment? Not that I've seen. Like when I search male infertility into PubMed, um, there's one doctor who's really, really into it. He's got his own clinic. I can't remember where. I think it's somewhere in the USA. Um, and he's kind of pushing for more funding in this area because his perspective is that if a man tries to have, or if a male tries to have a child at 40, there are these risks associated. We should do as much as we can and research as much as we can so that we can mitigate against these risks. And I really like that perspective, actually, because, again, it's an issue of funding, isn't it? Like, besides society and the science, if we don't have funding into a topic, we're not going to know more about it. So, no, yeah. and, and another point as well, if there isn't enough research and there's not enough talk about it, those men who do have who struggle with fertility don't have much of a support system to lean on because it's not talked about and obviously that's really damaging to their mental health they there needs to be the same way with women it's a lot more talked about so you're definitely going to find a few support quite a few support groups out there you know whereas with men they don't really well not that I know of not enough support to for those who are struggling with with infertility yeah it's been an issue that I've kind of I I only realized how much of an issue it was until recently because you know when you do research on like PCOS or endometriosis or female infertility there's not much there but there is a lot more than if you searched male infertility I I couldn't name to you any issues that may uh, that men may have with their hormones and I think that is a problem and you're right there's that there would be that lack of support system so just to end the episode I think you guys had some stories that you wanted to talk about so let's talk about those stories and do you want to go first with those okay yeah of course I'll go first so I haven't had any personal experiences but more so the community and what um other people might think so obviously um hopefully to graduate soon I'm kind of expected by the community for me to get married as soon as possible and bear a child so yes I am encouraged to go get a job but I'm also um I also have that restriction that I can't have this job for too long because I I have to bear a child so if I make the decision of me to bear a child later it's perceived more negatively because culture encourages you to um, have a child as soon as possible and again like I was like we were talking about before this kind of societal perception comes from more outdated culture that our ancestors and our grandparents were exposed to so they weren't really exposed to a corporate world or women working or them having even a substance a substantial education so 
in this sense, I believe that women are ex- always expected to make the sacrifice between a family and career. Um, so even after ha- even after having a child, we're expected to go into part time work rather than full time work. Or who's gonna who's again? That's a whole other debate to talk about. Who's going to raise the child? Who's going to be the breadwinner of the family? Breadwinner in quotation marks. So it's it's definitely an issue that has risen more within the past couple of decades of um, who provides for the family. And again, if the woman chooses her career, she's again looked down upon. But again, if the woman does choose a family and she can't conceive, it's always the blame is always put on her. So it's important to get rid of this taboo of talking about this subject. Um, Yes, women do have fertility problems, but up until recently, I didn't know that men can have this infertility as well. But I've never been spoken to about it. I've only been spoken to about it by my own body. And even within education, it's always, okay, after a woman hits this age, she can't bear children as healthily as someone younger. Whereas for men, it's not really spoken about. So I, I think it's more important to just kind of get around the bush and just speak about both sides of the spectrum, not just one. Did you ever have any specific incidences where um, by a relative or by anyone in your community, they like directly were like to you, oh, you need to get married soon. You need to have a kid soon, etc. Yes, definitely. So when they find out I'm in my final year of studying, they're just like, oh, okay, you need to find a husband soon. Okay, you should stop going to speak to people. So I've not personally from my family, I haven't been really spoken about it, but from the outside community Mm -hmm. for them to say you should be getting married. So because they perceive that the older you get, the harder Mm -hmm. it is to find your significant other. Um, uh, just context within our culture, it's you're, it's more likely for you to get arranged marriages oh rather than finding someone yourself. So they are always like, okay, it's gonna take a, it's gonna take a couple of years for us to find someone. So let's just start now. And um, a lot of my friend, a lot of my friends I've spoken to, they've had these marriage talks at the age of eighteen to nineteen about, okay, let's start looking no. now. <laughs> no. Whereas again, with for example, my brothers or other male uh male males they don't they're not really spoken about this kind of marriage side or having a child they don't even think about having a child until after they get married um and they have that kind of conversation with their wife so you know that actually like triggered something in me if you couldn't tell (laughs) so um at the time of recording for context it December 19th so my birthday is in a month and I will be 22 in a month but the time but the time that this is um uploaded I will be 22 and I went to my mum the other day and I was like I was having a mental breakdown because I was like oh my god I'm turning 22 like 22 is so old this is serious like I need a job I need to do this I need to do that and my mum was just like oh my god we need oh, to start no. looking for marriages for you and I was like seriously <laughs> <laughs> like seriously <laughs> At the same time, I've had experiences where I've, um, my degree, so I study chemistry. So one specific relative came up to me as like, oh, you're studying a man subject, which kind of really put me on edge because she doesn't expect you to get a, she doesn't expect women to get this fine education, right? 
the so for her to just a subject in itself has me has me love that it's crazy because most of the people on my degree is probably 60 to 40 same women yeah. to male so it's crazy yeah, it's 60 to 44 our degree as well all right so well, what's your story um, obviously the career path that i've chosen is quite a long one so studying for six years two and then training for two more years on top of that and then if i want you know it's just it's well known that medicine can be is quite long and um yeah and pers- i guess when i was looking into applying this was roughly around when I started in my A-levels. And um, so I was talking to someone and they were like, oh, perhaps this isn't the best degree for you because, um, you know, it's it's a long career. And by the time you're, you're established, you're going to be quite old and who's going to look after your family? How are you? It's just all these questions. And I was like, that's a lot to put on an A-level like, student. Um, why are you why are you telling me this? It's not you're meant to be encouraging, especially at that age, for someone who whatever kind of ambition you have, whether it is career orientated, you want to go into education, or you want to start your family that early. That's your decision and that's your life, you know? And you should be encouraged in whatever circumstance you are in. Um, but I don't, yeah. I'm very lucky that my parents are very encouraging and it's not it's not a conversation we've had. So yeah, it's not I'm very focused on my education and career and hopefully we'll see where it takes me. But that's good. That's a whole nother conversation in itself. Yeah, I think fundamentally it's what you said. It's having that individual choice when it comes to whatever projection you want in your life but I think for me personally it's also about making sure to have an informed choice so for me again knowing that I I want to have children eventually and that fertility naturally decreases after like the age of 35 then for me it's an informed choice to try and have like children before that but then again I'm someone who's very like career orientated I know that I want that and I can pursue both if I want to do that and I can pursue one after the other I can it's it's yeah it's what you said it's an individual choice but for me it's also having that informed uh knowledge behind it too yeah i think that's where we're gonna end the episode for today do you guys have any more like additional comments or science facts about this comment or anything like that? is let's try and deconstruct societal um views and opinions that are enforced on a lot of people and at the end of the day if you want to have children earlier or later it's just all your choice it's up to you it's your life and as long as as you said ma'am an informed decision you have the information and you make a decision based on that that's the best thing you can do for yourself i guess isn't it yeah okay but i think that's all for this episode well that is all for this episode thank you so much for listening as always we really enjoyed this conversation i think um we all went on our little rants yeah (laughs) Thank you for having me on. It needs to be spoken about. Yeah, as always, we'll have all our references and um, further reading, etc. in the show notes. We might have an Instagram post about this. Again, I don't know because we're doing this two months early. Um, but again, I'll li- we'll link everything in the show notes. Thank you again for this, for being here. We really enjoyed this discussion. And until next bye. time. Bye.